Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd back on the podcasting airways at Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is a part of the Chairshot Radio Network here on the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com, always use your head. And that's right, after a two week hiatus, Patrick O'Dowd is back. At the bandwagon, although I did not do the rundown this week, uh, that was and I must say, I'm just going to call in one of our one of our co-hosts right away, uh, PC Tunney. Uh, after reviewing Dave's rundown, I get it. I get I get how spoiled you are when when I send the rundown. <laughs> I well, see Dave. What I'm you're glad, missing. I'm glad, Mom and Dad. You like to use one of their children to throw shots at each other. <laughs> See, they agree. The audience agrees. Now, now I know how Ray felt on Three Man Weave. It was so terrifying. I was scarred for life. Scarred for life. Hey, I love my good friend and co-host David Ongar, the lawyer himself. Dave, you know I love you. You know I care. We we did a, a musical chairs last week. Uh, didn't do one uh, for this week because I was standing in the middle of a parking lot, which is which is where this whole, like, Dave's like, I can't remember how it came. Oh, you asked me if I wanted to talk about anything on the rundown. And I was like, dude, I'm working a 12-hour day in the middle of a parking lot. 
where I have like no real opportunity to know what's happening on the internet other than Twitter conversations. So go nuts. In, in all fairness to myself, this week was kind of light. Like the last two weeks you haven't been around. The rundown has been pretty detailed with shit going on. So. Oh yeah. And, and let me tell you, I did listen to the podcast that I miss. And I, once again, you know, I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> no, you're going to hear about it. We are definitely, we are definitely going to talk. Cause I'm going to kill the WB sucks segment today. Oh. I, I'm going to, I'm going to kill it. And you I'm going to explain Seinfeld? why I'm going to kill it. What's oh, that? Nothing. Sorry. We're not talking sign. Well, we're just, you know, I got a lot of that. problems with you. People. I have a lot of problems. <laughs> no, you're going to hear about it. By the way, George, that's you why we your father. Yeah, that's why we delayed the start of the podcast, by the way, today, guys, when we were recording is because I needed to find the grievances because uh, I've got I've got a couple of things that I'm going to get off my chest today uh, in listening to the last couple of weeks. We're going to talk some WB and why I have changed my perspective a little bit on what is going on with this WB discovery merger. And you may not like my perspective shift, and that is fine. Uh, but I think I, I have a slightly different angle that I want to talk about today because of some stuff I heard from some other producers of entertainment in the industry that that kind of shed some light and, and sort of changed my thinking a little bit about it. Uh, we are, you know, I laughed because uh, I was looking at bullet point number two on the on the podcast or bullet point number three on the podcast where you're like POD's discretion, whether he wants to talk She-Hulk or Lord of the Rings. I do want to talk a little bit of She-Hulk because I want to, again, talk a little bit about Ray's pre-madness uh, is, is really what we're going to get. And Ray's already hanging his head because I want to have this conversation. And again, I don't want to upset Ray. This isn't going to be about coming after Ray entirely. Although, for old times' sake, audience, welcome Ray back to the show. There, there we go. You see, it feels good to be back. What, by the way, Ray, welcome back to the show. Welcome back. Uh, you've been a you've been a regular again. You've been you've been the regular. Aesop decided that he had a life or something, and so you've walked. You've come back uh, to fill that void. Uh, Listen, I feel like Aesop big time does. Before you jump in, Ray, we are getting T-shirt requests though. Oh, are we? For World War Ray. Ooh. <laughs> you just have turn Ray green and all angry. I'm with know, it with, with his eyes, veins, point. I'm uh, with but it. anyway, we'll get to that as I continue to melt in the basement studio. Uh, but Ray, welcome back uh, to the program. Long time no see. Good to see you. Uh, are, oh, you are you ready to have a nuanced discussion about being pre-mad? Uh, number one, uh, as much as I may give you shit, you know I love you, man. It's always good to see you and talk Absolutely. to you. I uh, have missed being a part of the show. I'm so glad I'm, I'm able again to be fairly regular. Um, things are kind of moving around a little bit, so I'm trying to get back on my horse, so to speak. And yes, I absolutely am ready for a nuanced conversation because, for as much as I show the piss and vinegar, like um, you know, you know, I'm always down for a good conversation. Yeah, and, I, and I'm hoping to bring a little bit of my uh, my wrestling realist moniker to both of these conversations when we get to them a little bit later, because this really isn't about trying to pick a fight. And I don't right. want, I don't want to be clear on that. I don't I'm not trying to pick a fight on these when we have these conversations. You know, I aired the grievances thing. That's you know, that's all just couldn't all in good fun. Uh, as I would say over the last two weeks, much better. Usually my biggest grievance is um that you're 
your your mind in the gutter levels were actually kind of down the last couple of weeks. I was a little worried about you. Like you, Tony was less horny on the show the last couple of weeks. Like he was making fewer sex jokes, and I was a little worried. Like, are you okay? Are you a pod person? We Tony, we got it. Happened here. We got it all out on DWI. That's why. <laughs> oh, is that what happened? It was just that's a different listen, podcast. I just for, yeah, just for the record, that was not my fault this last week. I did not start in on would you do her 66 and over edition, okay? It was your segment. It no, was it? You're so full of shit. <laughs> so, well, well, you guys can have that fight on a different podcast off the air. What we are going to cover today, we, we are going to talk uh, about Umbrella Academy Season 3, Episode 7. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about She-Hulk. We're not going to talk Lord of the Rings um, in terms of what happened on that show or reviews because I haven't watched the first two episodes yet. Tony doesn't like Lord of the Rings. He's not interested in Lord of the Rings. Uh, and so I really don't want to keep him in that conversation. Uh, I don't know that Ray's a big Lord of the Rings guy either. So I, I don't know that there's a lot of fruit on that tree unless Aesop is here and it's me, Dave, and Aesop talking about it. So it's just the wrong bandwagon to have that conversation. But I do want to talk about something interesting that I saw today as we record this on Sunday uh, in terms of a news bite and a decision that Amazon made. Uh, I shared the article in our in our little group chat. And so uh, if you didn't have a chance to look at it, I'll, I'll explain it a, a little bit and whether or not I think it's a good idea. I do have a different axe to grind to talk about when we get towards the end of the show uh, that, that I think will be a fun little discussion piece. But yeah, we're before we get into any of that, we're I've missed the last two episodes of Umbrella Academy in, in your conversation there. We are here at season three, episode seven, where the Sparrows and the Umbrella Academy decide to unite and try to take on the I can't pronounce it, Google Plex, Plex, the Google Blints. Uh, and, and things come to a head between Allison and Victor and Allison and the rest of the group. There is this huge moment and, and shit drink. I'm going to drink myself because I can't remember his name right off the top. Who went off with dad? Hargreaves and or Klaus. Klaus went off and, and is coming to, you know, comes to grips with his powers, which seems like that's going to be a huge moment as we head into the, into the final three episodes. And, and then we have this, the show conclude with this tremendous moment between five and Victor that, you know, I think is, again, it's going to come into play in, in a big, big way. So I really liked this episode. Uh, I feel like as I watch people giggle, there's a chat going on behind my back. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and, but let's let's start with uh, season season three, episode seven review with Giggle McGiggle Pants over there in the easy chair. PC Tony, your thoughts on just what you saw, just kind of your overview of what you saw. Uh, on uh oh, did you watch the episode? Finish your thoughts on three episode seven of the Umbrella Academy. Uh, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. Um, I watched the rest of it, I couldn't. <laughs> so, I, so here, and so you know what? what? I blame is, Ray, I blame Ray. He told me I'm all sorts of right the, the last week, and I'm like, let's just see how right I am. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, whatever. Um, so I will shut up because I can't tell you where seven starts and ends. Um, but I, I can comment on a lot of it and almost all of it while you guys are having your conversation. If you want to kick it to me in between or after whatever. But I'm sorry. So, I've I've been good with every other thing we've ever done on the show. And I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm sorry. I feel like Emperor Palpatine. I am proud. You know what? Proud. 
gentlemen, you know what? I'm just disappointed. Here's a mute for you. <laughs> Here's a mute for you. Dave, tell us how you feel about season three, episode seven of Umbrella Academy. I've muted the the spoilers. I, I will say Ray's been pretty good with his poker face the last couple of weeks, knowing uh, all uh, the all that he knows. Um, I, and I think the title of this episode should be Google Blitz, which is is your kind of way of taking the Google Blitz and turning it into a mix between a search engine and a crepe. So I love it, Pat. That's awesome. But that not I, I I did maybe I did Google Blitzes before the show because <laughs> I was hungry. I was a little hungry. You know, they're probably pretty damn good, but. Getting back to this, getting back to this episode, yeah, I, I, I'm staying true with you, man. I have not skipped ahead. My wife is like watching it. She's gotten to the end, so every time she says something, I'm like, you got to stop because you're trying to spoil this shit. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about the last two weeks. Allison's dark decline continues this week, where she just doesn't give a shit and gets right in Victor's face, and Victor ends up punching Allison in the face. So there's a lot of friction there. Um, you did, I mean, yeah, you talked about Klaus hanging out with dad, getting his resurrection timing down to the point where he can come back in a matter of seconds and be fully in control of his muscles, which is a big deal. And then he accelerates his powers at the end where he comes to terms or confronts the ghosts. And, and I'm not sure what his power set is, but yeah, like you alluded to it, um, a, a, a very stern warning from five to Victor that, you know, if you lie again, I'll kill you myself. And that's pretty heavy shit right there. Victor kind of getting isolated right now. And Victor's kind of like, in my well, opinion, the wrong person to push too hard. I would push back on the idea that he's isolating her. I think Victor, I think five is talking about the burden. of This is Spider-Man. This is great power comes great responsibility sort of shit. Like, he, he talks about the decisions he's had to make and the consequences, the ramifications that those have had and how important it is that, as he points out, you don't go off alone. And I think it is very much a mirror of him, of, of uh, Victor himself and now Allison, because Allison has come into some power and, and has really grown in exponentially. And, that I, there's, I don't think it's an accident that he says this line along the lines of, do you know what a hero who acts alone is? Yeah. Yeah. That a villain. And Allison is going down the villain train. I, you know, and it's funny because I don't, I understand grief. This, this gives me a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode six or season six vibes where Allison Hannigan's character Willow, um, through her grief, like her power, like grows exponentially and she unleashes upon the world or those around her, her grief, it manifests in this power. She becomes the villain. Uh, I, I don't like what it's done to Allison for me a little bit. It's been a struggle to like buy it, but not complete. Not like I, I get it, but I don't. And I think that the blaming of Victor after this like such close, tight relationship. And the feeling of betrayal because Victor found love and is basically trying to do what Allison would do for her daughter. Victor tried to do for her adopted or his adopted son. Uh, it's just it, like there's a little bit of a hypocrisy there that I think you're supposed to see and, and makes it tough. Yeah, and there's there's a um, 
I think like the other stuff to note is Luther proposes to Sloan. We know there's a wedding coming up. If you read the clip to the next episode, not watch it, but just read the synopsis, you know, there's a wedding yeah. at the end of Oblivion, basically, because they trapped the Kugelblitz. And then, I don't know, as soon as as soon as soon Faye did that freaking toast on Christopher and created some harmonic dissonance that allowed the... Shook the bees. Yeah, shook the bees. And that that's, shook the bees. And that's what you shouldn't have done. And now the now the Kugelblitz is out there, and it's even worse than it was before. And so you get the feeling that nothing is going to be able to stop this apocalypse from happening, but hell, we're still going to have a wedding at the end of uh, eternity and all that sort of, which tells me, okay, that can't go well. Lila and Diego have an interesting moment where Lila basically says, I'm pregnant. I want a family with you. I I love Diego's response. She didn't basically say she was pregnant. She said, I I am pregnant. pregnant. And Diego's response is basically I'm pregnant. Like I might be, but I might not be kind of pregnant. It's it's that sort of sort I'm kind of kind of sort of pregnant accidents happen. Yeah, and Diego asked her if he can think about whether he wants a future. But I thought the conversation between Lila and Allison was really on point because she's basically saying some of this stuff is real. You've just got to focus on one point and and stay grounded to that point with everything else going by you so quickly. And Allison's like, "What if that point's gone?" And Lila's like, "We'll make a new one." Um, so. Interesting conversation there. Yeah, the show just continues. Like I think me and Tony and Ray have all said it, and I don't know how you feel about it, Pat, but season three has been my favorite season by far uh, of the Umbrella Academy. I love yeah, it's everything, really good. everything going on, and and I'm, you know, <laughs> Ray, I told my wife, you know, we talked last week about season four coming and how you said, I don't think it was necessary because it ends in a great place, and she's like, is he fucking kidding me? So my wife disagrees with you completely ray so So, great place doesn't mean like everybody's happy it just it's a perfect ending and we'll see in a few weeks yeah and we lost and we lost two more sparrows this week two more sparrows have died uh uh shoot uh, faye and christopher gone faye and christopher yeah ben Ben and sloan are the only ones left right yep right so uh this leads me to another question because and the two guys who finished the series can't participate in this part because they know the answers already. Somebody's a member of the Umbrella Academy. At least one's got to die. Like somebody's dying. I wonder at this. Point. And my my real question is, Dave, I'll, I'll turn it to you because I think Allison is in danger because of her turn. Honey's laughing because he. Well, oh, I wanted to say Klaus already died. Yeah, Klaus no. can't really die. That actually is that funny. That actually that is funny. Yeah, no, no, I get it. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I'm not I see spoiling anything. There. I'm shutting up. I will not right. spoil anything right. for you. I promise. You're trying really hard. No, no. I won't. No, I'm not. <laughs> Ask Ray. I'm you're not, not trying. So you're not trying to not spoil the show? Okay, I see how this is. No, I'm lost. <laughs> oh, no, I found Klaus. The no. Boo Birds are back, everybody. That's right. Cheer yourselves on, Bluebird. So, Dave, who's in danger? I don't know for sure, Pat. But I've... that's not an answer. I want you to make a bold prediction. <laughs> no, I've heard. I've heard. I've heard know. enough. <laughs> I've job. heard enough innuendo and stuff that just in your end that that I I I think Luther's probably the one in the most trouble right now, and, and that. And that sucks because he's he's the character that you can sympathize with. And he just wants love and he's found love and it just feels like this isn't gonna end well for him. I'd say, yeah, Luther's the one that I'm worried about. Stuff that I've heard in the periphery 
kind of validates my concern. I don't know for sure, and I'm not spoiling anything, and I'm just saying I don't do not know for sure, but I have a bad feeling for him. So you've heard rumor, and yet okay, anyway, but you're not. It's spoiling. just it's just rumor. I don't know for sure. This is just kind of you know when 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 your wife's telling you I cried, um, that kind of tells. I mean, which character out there is the one that could die? Where you'd say I cried, and you'd be like, oh shit. You know, I mean, oh, I guess, I guess Victor I'd, or I'd five. Cry, or I'd cry if Victor died. I, I wouldn't cry if Klaus died, though. Klaus is my, or not Klaus, um, five. I'd cry if five died, only because he's my favorite character. Yeah, like I love that little sarcastic twerp. He's awesome. Um, does Ben? Does this version of Ben replace somebody, Dave? Well, because like, it feels like we're going to have a new Umbrella Academy come out of this. At, at the end of the season. Right. And that's the thing is like, you know, when Luther proposes to Sloan and I, I said this to my wife, it's like, this is never going to work. This is an entirely different timeline. How do you, how do you reconcile these two timelines and merge them into one timeline, which I guess is possible. And maybe that's where we're going to end up. Um, I would have to say, yeah, I think if, uh, cause I don't think you can go back to, to Ben being an incorporeal spirit with Klaus hanging around, especially now that Klaus's powers have evolved. That doesn't seem to, to really make a whole lot of sense and and having ben being tangible this season has been really cool and, and yeah then, you know and everybody says our version of ben was better and and so maybe maybe you see some of that kind of come through eventually but i i think you're right i think this version of ben comes through in whatever whatever timeline wherever we end up on the other side of this kugel blitz and whatever's left i would imagine it's this version of ben as opposed to the one we got in seasons one and two what do you think about, and this can go back to, this can go to the whole panel. Uh, get a different look at it, at Hargreaves, uh, the patriot, you know, the, the grandfather, the father of Reggie Sparrows and the Umbrella Academy. He, he definitely is a father to Klaus in a sense and, and making up for the sins of a different father's past. What, what do we, I don't, does that Hargreaves continue to be a thing? after this season i don't or am i or are we being played i i feel like you should rewind what you just did and not ask me and ray any questions at all all right so dave well, i mean i want to talk about the show i can talk about uh, no but i'm show. saying do you see what i'm saying when he asks a question like that it's hard to really even answer that yeah because uh, i'm asking well, you to i'm asking you to speculate on a future speech for you because you I'm just, just watched to... it all i saw it a month ago so every time we had these conversations I'm only looking at the synopsis. Um, so if I were to answer that question, I would say that if you look at what's happened all season, and uh, I want to contest something you just said, Dave, I thought every time they left a timeline, the timeline was destroyed, which is why they got sent to another one. So like they can go back to those other timelines. And I, if I'm wrong, I apologize. I have but no idea, that, you're, Wait, you're saying back yeah. to the future is all bullshit? Oh, go ahead. Well, <laughs> it's it's not a, if you're watching Avengers, it is it's not. Um, but to this point, every Reginald is going to be different to a certain extent yeah. because it didn't follow with them. And I don't think this Reginald is either being a good dad. I don't think this Reginald is being a bad dad. This Reginald was clearly drugged for the majority of his time, as you saw Alfonso and Jamie making him take his medicine, and that's why when Klaus found him. He was like a shell of himself, but he is very clearly like interested in Klaus. 
So I don't know if this is him being a father or him finding a new toy and trying to figure out how it works. Especially this, you know, uh, every time Klaus dies and when he comes back, he's like, hmm, interesting. That's not a dad, bro. That's someone, a scientist that's interested. But he's doing it in a way that is much more um, kind than the previous Reggie. Well, anything is more kind than the previous Reggie, if we're being honest. Fair enough. I agree. So your so your argument is this isn't really character development or growth as a, as a person and a father figure that this is just this timeline and its approach based on what has happened to him previously. Yeah, I don't think it has to do with him it. wanting to be a better dad. I think it has to do sure. with him being interested in the one person who was one interested in him and two interesting in general because Klaus took sure. interest to him first. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on Reginald and sort of the shift in Reginald that we have here. Uh, I think uh, we're probably being played. He's he's a different he's a different version of the one that we got. Who's maybe not so um, upfront about his desire to manipulate the kids, but he's now sure. at the point where he's he sees something in Klaus that um, is unique to the timeline that he's in. And he's trying to figure out, okay, let me see exactly what makes this guy tick. Um, and, and, you know, and I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some element of him that says, you know, this this kid really needs my help. And I actually want to be a father figure. I just can't imagine that knowing the character as we do that, that, that he's got some benevolent motive behind him. So I kind of think that there's a uh, ulterior motive in that whatever Hargreaves is going to end up in is going to be more it'll probably be an amalgamation of the two by the end of this whole thing and uh you know pat if you want a podcast shirtless none of us are going to complain i'm just saying man. <laughs> well to, to update the conversation before we've started the uh the podcast it does sound like the air conditioner is on which is which is a which is a step um still a couple of open windows in the basement studio though so i gotta get them closed probably during closed during the commercial break which sounds like now might be a good time. Uh, you you hinted at it before. This episode, the, the synopsis for the for episode eight reads like an interlude before the finale. Um, I'm sure it'll be more than that. I'm sure some shit will go down, but just the synopsis talks about you know depot, debauchery and celebration and stuff like that. Now that doesn't mean that there won't be a conflict or a problem because episodes work that way. But it does sound like this is a build up to a big end i mean they even talk about it as the end of the universe looms they're going to do all this stuff hero gasm invades the umbrella academy it's going to be awesome maybe something like well, that, that will be disgusting because they're all brothers and sisters oh my I can god hey, hey that, ray i can burst that bubble for the you. boys are going to go the boys are going that direction so why not right well yeah i, I don't think this is going to go hero gasm a la the boys this is the umbrella academy not the same thing but all right, we are going to take our first commercial break now. When we come back, the first thing we're going to do is we are going to talk a little bit of She-Hulk and talk a little um, trailer park. Got a, only two trailers this week, but both of them, I think, are um, have plenty of fodder and room to talk about. So that will be uh, us after the break. Thank you, Tony. Um, I, I, I appreciate you. Uh, and your your chat message. Well, because you know the whole podcast will hear that beep and be like somebody typed something. So you know, I feel like we. I love I love outing, I love outing everyone. We're a professionally run operation, everybody. 
And when we come back from the break, we're going to show you just how professional we are. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshop.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshop.com. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're going to hear about it. All right. I know, where, I know where this is going. <laughs> We are going to talk a little bit of She-Hulk. No, we are not going to continue our episode-by-episode episode breakdown, which, by the way, for the record, you were guys, you guys were going to talk about those, whether we, like you were, you, regardless. Like, there was be, no way you weren't. We'd be respectful of your wishes and maybe not talk about them in full context like we did. But, yeah, right. something would be mentioned, but, like, we wouldn't have spent 10 minutes on what it. I, what I did find ap- interesting about episode three is that, uh, like, this was the first episode where I wasn't like, Oh my, they they did a lot of greater uh, MCU stuff with like extra characters sort of on the periphery. Uh, like the Wrecking so, Crew? Yeah, like, yeah, well, the Wrecking Crew are working for somebody, but like, you know, that was a nice introduction. Um, there's a mysterious shadow boss. Somebody's trying to get Jen Walter's blood, which isn't a surprise. Um, you know, all, all those sort of typical things. But like, we didn't have, any, we didn't get a Bruce Banner update. For example, like there wasn't anything like that, uh, which makes Ray happy and, and actually leads right into what well, I want to talk about in regards to your feelings about World War Hall. If, if I may, just real fast, just because we're going to this is going to be the crux of the argument. Can we do a once around real fast of who we think the shadow boss is? Sure. Who do you think the shadow boss is? Sam Stearns, the leader. He wants to be cured by her blood because he saw she can go and back and forth and he's tired of his head being so fucking big that's a possibility dave ungar i have not even thought about it man <laughs> i'm gonna dave, go to, here i just i was like uh, i don't know i mean okay. i i still think you know emil blonsky's pulling some of these strings so he this uh this magnanimous uh hero of all these uh 12 different women that you know he's pen palled with i don't know but i i think ray's ray's suggestion is is pretty good Gene Gray. DC Tony? No. Gene Gray. Get out of here. DC Tony doesn't know because he doesn't read the comics. So he's learning this as he goes, which I think is, is a, and that's not even a knockoff PC. He would own, he would own that. Uh, Wilson Fisk, uh, just because we know Daredevil is in the show too, uh, and is the sort of shit that he would pull or that, uh, that so. makes the most sense, but I don't think. There's already too much going on with him. Daredevil's going to revolve back around him. Echo's about him. Hawkeye was about him. I just feel like that's too, they're building him up too much when we know who See, the big bads are going to be. 
Right, but I, I also think that what we're seeing here is a new renaissance with Marvel trying to get this street-level big bad. And Wilson Fisk makes a lot of sense in what they've yeah. laid as a groundwork, so he would be an excellent choice. And it's the sort of shit he would do. He like in the comics, the Kingpin is involved in like eight different eight different story arcs. So oh, here's one thing though that ties into what you're saying. If Vanessa's being brought into this and Wilson's trying to get Jen's blood to cure her, then okay, it, that could be a thing. I, but I also think She Hulk. Uh, a lot of it feels to me like an apology to the MCU for not being able to do more stuff with Hulk. And they're touching a lot of the old Hulk stuff, which would make sense to bring Sam Stearns in and to close that open door that's been open since 2008. Now that may just be, be, that may be with me wishing, but because Kingspan makes a lot of sense too. So I'm, I'm sorry. I just was, that was something that was really interesting to me. So, so, but yeah, we can move on. Sure. So let's get to what I actually wanted to talk about today. And, and what I found really interesting is ever since the, the rumor has circulated and gained all kinds of strength that the next step for Bruce Banner and his character is looking like it's going to be Planet Hulk slash World War Hulk. Ray has had some very vocal concerns and, and I've jokingly called it. He's kind of pre-mad and, and I would even argue that a lot of the reasons that you put out there, Ray, as to why you're concerned about this do make a lot of sense. But episode two of She-Hulk really kind of changed my mind. And uh, and here's why. And even episode one to a certain extent. And the thing I keep yelling at, at the group as, as we have this conversation is, we don't even know what the story is. And, and so to be angry because we are making an assumption of what we think think it is or what it think it could be without seeing how they get there is is a little is 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 kind of dangerous when we look at how Feige has run the MCU and the stories that they've told and the first thing about planet hulk and what i think is important to remember is we got to do planet hulk first before we can do world world in planet hulk bruce banner doesn't willingly go to and, and here's the thing is in both you know he ends up in Sakaar to do the gladiator thing um because he runs away from the avengers after being hurt by natasha like natasha hurts bruce bruce sees that he he just can't like the future he wants with natasha isn't going to happen so he goes away like the hulk runs away the hulk and bruce banner have all ha, have chosen to leave and in World War Hulk and Planet Hulk, that was not the case. And I think that, and, I, and I'm including myself, that I've assumed that the catalyst to get Bruce Banner slash the Hulk away from Earth has always been that he loses control and gets forced out. And yeah. what we have seen so far is that not happening. Bruce sees that something is going on in Sakaar. That he that they're coming after him for a reason, and so he's going to investigate it. And I think that is a radical. That's a radical departure from Planet Hulk. That's mm-hmm. a radical departure from World War Hulk. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen when he goes there now, and so I don't think that it's going to go like I don't think the de-evolution that you're worried about, Ray, in a way that doesn't make sense, is going to happen 
quite the way we see it happening. Okay. And, and that to me changed my perspective and my, my sort of view on what this could be. And now I, th- I think they're telling a different story. I think that, I think that yes, World War Hulk is going to be, a, you know, it's there. It's going to happen. It's probably going to get announced at D23. Um, but I don't think it's the World War Hulk we know from the books. I think this might be the most radical departure from comics that the MCU has ever taken. That is my thought. So I agree with you now, and I think I've, I think I can say fairly I would have agreed with you even before She-Hulk sure. debuted. But my two issues were twofold. Um, one, it was my disdain for even doing the the, the storyline comic accurate or as close to comic accurate as you can get, given what we've already seen in 15 years of MCU or however many years. But two more, what people will be willing to accept. There are so many times when you, it's one thing to do a, a movie or a story and take tropes of a big story arc and put it in there. It's another thing when you literally named the movie What We're Hulk, right? People still complain about Civil War because it wasn't a Civil War I knew, even though it was a great movie, right? Because it, the name was Civil War, which invoked what I wanted to see from the pages. And that was my thing, because I just don't, I didn't see in my mind how literally you can get the Hulk and go through the story arc he's gone to and get him back to Berserker. And I couldn't see how fans would accept it. And that was more of my disdain. But I am with you in that, number one, there's no way it could have been the same thing because there's no Illuminati. Most of the Illuminati, even if it was there, are gone or dead. You know, Hulk is smart Hulk. And um, I, you said we're saying the same thing, but if I could correct you just for my edification, um, the Hulk and Bruce Banner didn't leave. Bruce didn't even know they were gone. When Bruce came back, in the first around, he was right. like, wait a minute, where the hell are we? And Thor was like, you're in Sakaar. Like, I've been gone for two years. Um, so, so, you know, I'm with you, and I think we're on the same page. Now the question is, when he goes to Sakaar and whatever they choose to do, and you're right, 99% chance is going to be named World War Hulk. What is the story going to be? And will we devolve Hulk? Or, if I may be so upfront and make an assumption, could it be his son is the World War? Because right. that was a major part of the actual World War Hulk storyline was his son was born. And became a part of his group. Um, So I I am... The Warborn or something like that. The Warborn. And I am more willing to to ingest it and accept it. But now my issue is less... I've never had issue with Feige. Feige's batting a thousand. Feige's the Ted Williams of the world. I, but, I'd, say he's, I'd say he's batting like 750. I, I, I think you, you, you can say that Thor The Dark World... Well, okay, okay, it was not okay. necessary. I think okay. you could argue that Iron Man 2 is nothing but a commercial for the Avengers movie, things like I, that. I have a very soft spot in my heart for Whiplash and Justin Hammer. So I don't hate Iron Man 2 as much as most people do. I don't, I don't hate not a great it. I, was very, I think it, I just found it, it like, I think that it was a film, and Dave, Tony, jump in if you want. I think it was a film that I, I felt a little head faked what it was going to be versus what it was 
and that like I I did not enjoy the movie, uh, but like there was just there were some bits of what they hinted at with Tony's character, for example, that I just didn't feel translated very well in what they showed. The and and again, like I was very disappointed that it really did feel like. It, and that was the thing with a couple of movies in that phase two where they felt mm-hmm. like filler almost sure, as much as, as something that preceded a story for it. I think that's part of the thing that people are struggling with now is that they're really viewing this foundational phase four uh, as filler because now I, I do think this is a consequence of the big event film that has happened with Marvel yeah. is that people just want the next big event film. And so Marvel has this real challenge of trying to find a balance of creating an exciting introduction, you know, an exciting film that introduces audiences to these new Avengers and feels like an important and big deal, but isn't a big deal. And those fans that just want the next big deal are feeling a little impatient. Um, so I'm going to let Dave and, and Tony get into this a little bit too, because we've been, we've been kind of, uh, kind of monopolizing the mic. So, uh, Dave, well, or not, we can keep going. No, I think I think one of the things that, you know, this is our 147th episode, and we probably said it on at least 140 episodes now that, you know, you, you've got it. You've got to detach yourself from the notion that and Ray, you posted the article about whether Thor Love and Thunder is even canon. You know, what is canon? You know, and, and that's that's a big prevailing theme, especially here in phase four, because just because they're titling something a certain way doesn't mean it's going to match up with the comics. And we've seen that time and time and time again. I, I think, you know, with Hulk, my thing is a couple things. A, do we know what the right situation is with Universal? Because if Universal still got the rights to Hulk, they're not going to be able to do it. They don't. Okay. They don't. It's, they, it, it's, it's reverted. To, okay. Taking that back forever. Here's, here's the thing you know, that the only place you'll see Marvel with Universal is at the theme park where that yes, deal right. is <laughs> right. locked. I, I think the thing that I'm wondering, and this is kind of my, my prediction, is you have to under, recall that there's a big gap between the events of Ragnarok and when we see Bruce show up in that diner with uh, with, uh, with Natasha and Steve and he's Smart Hulk. What happens during that big gap there? For all we know, what I'm suspecting is the Sakarans gave Bruce the technology to become Smart Hulk. And now there's the risk that they're going to take that away from him. And he's got to go back to Sakaar to kind of uh, solve this. That's, I mean, I like the idea about his son. And who knows, during that five years where he became smart, maybe he got in a relationship with somebody on Sakaar. They had a child and he's got to go back and sort that out. But you do, he never really explains how he goes from being, you know, Ragnarok Hulk to Smart Hulk. Something happened in between that. He learns how to harness that. But where did that technology come from? How did he, he learn does that? Explain it. I don't. I don't know if Tony wanted to jump in, but he he so, does. He speaks on it. I don't know if it's a full explanation like you would want. Right. But he definitely speaks to it. But I'm I, I'm sorry for jumping in. Right. No, no, no worries. And I I think that it's it's a good question. Again, um, at this point though, really what I was getting what I was getting at, and then kind of the heart of this conversation is that I think we're going to learn that stuff. I think we're going to learn that stuff in at World War Hulk or Planet Hulk or whatever it's called. And I think we just need to to pump the brakes on what we think it's going to be. And, and I think that, that that we've earned that credibility. And so I, th- I think I'm going to put a bow on this part of the conversation um, right there. 
and, and just, yeah, I just, uh, you know, not really a grievance, right? Uh, but just kind of a thought as we kind of move forward to this and just what we've seen out of She-Hulk and what that direction seems to imply. But fair. I want to get to two trailers that they, they put on the rundown today. And before we can actually get into those trailers, we do have to hear some banjos. I am no longer encouraging the vocal banjo music. Um, your earballs sorry, deserve sorry, better guys. audience. Um, but I would like to hear that beautiful banjo, Dave, if you could please cue it up and bring it in. Thank you very much. I do like that you strapped on the invisible banjo that nobody can see you doing, Ray, because uh, we have yet to make these faces for radio, faces for, for YouTube, thankfully. You're lucky, audience. I am a hideous, 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 hideous man. You, you'd have to just look at, you know, Daryl Hall over my, over my shoulder and, and embrace that. Um, okay. So I'm glad Dave picked this first trailer because... I've I've seen trailer backlash in my day, but the trailer backlash over the Winnie the Pooh blood and honey trailer is something special. Before we get into the guy's reaction to this, I just want to say this type of film is not new. There are dozens upon dozens. Oh, I'm sure we get up into the hundreds of horror film takes on classic children's tales. Whether that is Snow White, Rumpelstiltskin, Hansel and Gretel, like fairy tales have had this happen for years. In fact, fairy tales, if you read them in their original form, are quite horrific all their own. The Snow White story and what happens to the evil queen at the end is horrific. Sleeping Beauty is raped. She is raped in her sleep. She wakes up pregnant. That's what wakes her up. And she's got kids. And people sit there over the Pooh. Like, like, like taking a like somebody doing a horror take on Winnie the Pooh. I found hilarious. And I and I loved it. And he's been really quiet because we, we've been having conversations that, that he's um not always the best equipped to, to converse up, but Tony. Were you offended by the Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey trailer? Like, I know it just doesn't strike me as a Tony movie necessarily, but like, were you like outraged the way oh, the, the internet was? I felt heard that bear finally put some damn pants on. <laughs> that the bear finally put some damn pants Now, if we get Donald Duck on board, we're set. That's a tough sell, though. Half the time that lower body's underwater, that's a lot of weight to carry. <laughs> anyway, um, this just looks that's dumb right. as fucking hell. I don't really care, and I really care about the idiots that took the time to be so upset about it. So if you're into horror and you're into being scared by the things you grew up watching and liking, then, hey, man, go get it. Dave, you're going to be front row at this thing, aren't you? 
<laughs> no. Um, but I did. I did. I, I thought the trailer was like I was watching it like I wasn't outraged like so much of the Internet was. I was just like, what the hell are we doing here? And, and um, <laughs> Pooh, Pooh, Eeyore and Piglet get butt hurt by the fact that Christopher Robin grew up. And this is like Toy Story gone very wrong. That sort of thing. And, and I I, you know, it's probably one I will check out. When it hits a streaming service, I won't be in the theaters, but I don't have, like you said, most fairy tales are very dark in their origin, you know, and if you've read fables, then you can see that in a whole new light. But um, yeah, the dogs, they're not happy about it either because they like Winnie the Pooh. But um, yeah, go for it. Get weird with it, guys. Have fun with it. I know Ray's going to be there opening night, though. Goddamn right. With your Flash Gordon shirt on and everything. Gray, are you in? I'm 100% in. I, I, I love quirky stuff like this. And the beauty, the fun thing about it is, I know I'm being literal, and, and I, if you've seen it, you, you know what I'm talking about, but these are just regular people with fucking bear masks. So it makes me wonder, is this all the psychological thing with Christopher Robin? Because, remember, the reoccurring joke is, or not joke, but the, the, the belief is that those the hundred acre woods, right? Is that it? Yeah. Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and Eeyore are all those people are not their figments of his imagination, based on his um, mental health issues, right? Eeyore is his depression, and Piglet is his um um what uh, Winnie the Pooh is his um gladness. Yes, this is very clear. yeah. Yeah, OCD, OCD is uh, um, rabbit and stuff like that. So if this is all in his mind and at the end you see him like in a psych ward with the shit on it, I'll be like, bravo, bravo. So I'm here for it. I'm so high. I loved this trailer. I I loved it. I loved that the trailer is unapologetically gory. Like you see somebody's head get like blasted by a sledgehammer it's awesome just blowing up and i am completely okay i like i'm a guy who doesn't like when people remix tunes or or people do cover songs but like give me a a, a dystopian take on a fairy tale or a horror movie take on a fairy tale and i'm like i'm in like i even watched the hansel and gretel monster hunters you know, you, did you like it oh yeah i loved it I mean, Jeremy Renner, what, what could go wrong? Uh, I loved the shitty Van Helsing movie with Hugh Jackman. I loved um, the Brothers Grimm. I loved Sleepy Hollow. Like, just love that stuff. And this one looks like another edition. Now, I will be clear. This is a wait till it comes out on streaming slash video watch for patrick o'dowd like i ain't going to no theater to watch this i ain't giving you my 11 dollars, sorry or my discounted seven dollar ticket because apparently the east coast doesn't know what five dollar movies are anymore but what are you gonna do but i'm in for this i'm here i'm here for it i'm gonna go check it out and i think relax everybody relax your childhood isn't ruined because if your childhood is ruined by this what do you say about michael bay and his shitty transformer movie? No. no no don't defend that shit they get he gave the robots testicles. We are not talking about. I'm that. not like defending that. If you're okay that. with testicle robots, then you can be okay with those Winnie are, the Pooh going psycho and blasting people's heads off. Those are roboticals. Roboticals. 
That might I'm be not, the name of the James Bond. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying, like, Transformers wasn't, I think, a staple as much as Winnie the Pooh was. As as not a child of the 80s, I'm going to let that slide. Um, but you're wrong. Uh, and we'll, we'll move forward. So, all right. Let's get to a trailer that I was excited about until I saw it. Uh, the Mighty Ducks Season 2. I was... And Ray and I bonded a lot over how good we thought season one of the Mighty Ducks series on Disney Plus was. And then Emilio Estevez had to get all political conservative and anti-vaccine and kind of got blackballed, whether you agree with it or not, like rightfully or wrongfully. I, I, I don't even think it's the vaccine thing so much as it is the the political posting. Like it's it's the same thing that happened to Gina Carano over at uh, over at Star Wars. Emilio got taken off the show where he was an executive producer, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this trailer for Mighty Ducks season two, and I just you could feel the difference uh, in watching it. In this season, after having a successful Pee Wee season with the Mighty Ducks, uh, they go to some sort of camp that's run by like a hardcore coach played by, I always pronounce the guy's last name, like Josh Dumahill or something like that. Dumel. Dumel. Um, and he's like the, he's starting off as the villain. It, it reminds me of, uh, there was this really crappy kids movie where Ben Stiller is like a trainer who takes over a fat camp. Heavyweights. Heavyweights. And he picks on the kids that are the outcasts. It feels like that except with the mighty ducks a little bit like i don't like it's i don't i don't know i i have real concerns about season two for the mighty ducks it's mighty ducks three is d3 the mighty ducks when they go to high school and no no i get you what it is because see you know they hated that culture at first until they realized that bomb baker only get them so far they needed him to push him further than they ever got pushed that's what this is to me but i'm with you i'm disappointed because as much as i love um, Alex, um, Evan's mom. She's a mm. great character. She can't be the parental person for this for for the team. So the I think the the season lives and dies with how much and how well Josh Demel's character gets over and connects because the kids are gonna do their part. Like the hijinks, my boy Nick is still hilarious. The hijinks are good, but it was kind of the that almost girl meets world-esque or Cobra Kai-esque link between the old and the new that made it, like, heartfelt. Well, that's dead now that Emilio's gone, so. Right. I'm, a, I'm a by the way, yeah. By, by the way, uh, Dave, Ray, Tony, as we record here, four days away from season five of Cobra Kai. And I just sent I you guys a link about some interesting Cobra Kai speculation well, going on. We'll take a look at that when that season drops. That's that's one show I binge watch. Uh, by the way, I, I don't know why I, I can't get enough of that show. Like the second it drops, I can't stop watching. And here's the thing: it's a it's a uh, it's a guilty pleasure sort of show. Like it's it's fun and good, but not like this is compelling television good. Because it, it's ridiculous at this point. Like these parents should all be in jail at this point. <laughs> like. Like we got kids trashing schools with karate. Like it's the break into the Machio house. Right. Like what are we doing here? Okay. Um, yeah. So 
Tony, I know you didn't watch Mighty Ducks season two. Dave, did you watch Mighty Ducks season or season one? Did you watch Mighty Ducks season one? Tony did. Tony, I think, shared this Tony trailer did? in the first. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Tony didn't like good things, so I, I got confused. He likes wow. Seinfeld. I don't understand it. Mm. Ding! <clears throat> Tony, what are your thoughts on this don't season? Shake two the bees up, Ray. Don't don't yeah, shake the bees up. I guess I'm What's that? Google Blitz. I think I'm the one who's uh, I'm the one who's uh, pre mad over Mighty Duck season two. I'll own that. I, I mean, I, it was inevitable though. Like the the, the streaming series was going to go the way the movies did. Like as they kept going, they just weren't as good because there's not a lot of substance there. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't really get into it. It's not like a teenage drama with you know lessons being learned it's kind of fun and kitschy but at the same yeah there's lessons learned ray relax okay no 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 no. i, I got another question keep going go ahead How, do we know why charlie conway's character isn't involved in either one of these series these seasons because um because joshua jackson has turned down the opportunity that is joshua like jackson. that's literally that's right. it is joshua jackson they wanted him for the the episode where all the uh, old ducks come back and if there was really something that felt like it was missing because Charlie, Charlie and Gordon's relationship is what really fuels well, that's the, 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 the movie. That's the whole basis the of the mighty ducks. There is no mighty right. ducks without their relationship, but yeah, it, it, I don't know. It should be interesting. I think comedically, if you're hoping for Emilio Estevez, maybe by the end of the season, the kids are so sick of Josh Jamel. They're like, Whatever's good for societal beliefs, be damned. Bring back that son of a bitch, Gordon Bombay. We need him. Quack. Hey, Charlie He's Sheen's not, Charlie Sheen's not doing quacks. anything. Bring him in. The, is, the vaccine's a quack, quack, quack. All right. Gina, so, Gina well, Carano well, will be back before Charlie Sheen works for Disney. Yeah, I was going to say, before before we get past what Dave just said there, which we should be noted as the worst idea in the history of bandwagon nerds. Um, no, no, no. Stop that. Okay. I think on that note, we're going to close the book on segment number two. We're going to take our second commercial break. We come back, we're going to talk some, or we're going to talk some WB. We're going to talk some Lord of the Rings. Before we get to our recorded commercials, though, I do want to remind you that if you enjoy what we do on the Chairshot Radio Network and want to support us, the best way to do that is to rep the brand by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the Chairshot and investing in one of our many Chairshot shirt designs. You can even get a bandwagon nerd shirt of your very own over at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shop. If you don't like Greg DeMarco and his show, get the shirt that says everybody hates Greg. If you still think Christopher Platt and Belaz should be president, I'm sure there's one leftover shirt you could buy hidden in the dark recesses of ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shop. You can spend as little as $19.99 on a delightful Pro Wrestling Tees OG logo shirt. They're all there. If you're feeling fancy, want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Your body will thank you. We love putting out this kind of content for you each and every day. And we can't do that on your podcasting airwaves without your support. And so head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Chair shot. Yikes. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. I was doing so well too, guys invest in us, invest in a shirt, put that brand out there. We love you for it. We appreciate your support and we hope to see more and more of these 
out in the world. As Christopher Platt would say, thank you for your investment. Please and thank you. Thank you and please. When we come back, some Lord of the Rings talk, some WB talk, and then we're going to wrap it with some hopes and fears for D23. You are listening to the Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Okay, welcome back. So, I announced this at the beginning of the show. I'm going to make it official. Uh, I'm no longer in favor of the WB stocks um, segment. Uh, and, not even and the echo. Not even the echo mic. Come on. Now. I do appreciate the echo mic. I like the effect. I've asked for it for news around the nerdosphere on many, many occasions. So I, I'm okay with it. And here's here's why I'm I'm kind of done with the concept of the WW or the WWE. I almost oh, oops, wrong uh, wrong genre of podcast. I don't uh, Right. Um, but why I'm still, why I'm kind of anti WB stuff. Uh, it's not, I, I will not say that the decisions that have been made with the WB and specifically around DC are good decisions. I think that they're disappointing decisions for us as fans of comic book films, comic book entertainment, and, and what we want and hope for out of these properties. And whether it be something along the lines of pushing back release dates which look bad, yes, and aren't good. Like, I am right there with you guys that it sucks that they put out a trailer for for Shazam and now are delaying it because, it, because for us, it feels like because reason. Uh, but I've, I was listening to a couple of podcasts, and, and Bill Lawrence, who is a producer for shows, that, uh, for shows like Ted Lasso, uh, Scrubs, Cougar Town, Spin City, uh, and, and a lot of other stuff. And as somebody who really knows and understands how the business in Hollywood works, uh, he was on Zach Braff and Donald Faison's podcast about Scrubs a, uh, a couple weeks back. And he was talking, they were talking about this WB discovery. And he brought up a really good, interesting point. I won't even say good point, but an interesting point that this happens all the time. Where projects and and what they were talking, they were talking about projects getting scrapped, and they were talking about Bad Girl specifically. But he was talking about the amount of projects that get scrapped that we don't know about that come to damn near completion or are complete that never happen, and that even for him personally as a producer, this has happened more times than anything he's ever actually gotten to be put out to see to the public. Like he talked about shows that he's made that he can't talk about. Because they were scrapped in their entirety after given a green light to go for. And so it really sort of changed my viewpoint on what's happening here. Because a lot of what's happening does suck for the people that are involved in the actors. That are involved in the producers and the directors and the script. And the way the WW... God damn it. The way that the WB has done it has been shitty. Because the laundry has all been aired publicly in a way that I don't think has really happened before. Um, and I, I do think this is an interesting like take with social media, but at the end of the day, 
however they're working their budget and the vision that they're 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 trying to recreate and recraft and i think that's going to be impactful when we talk about some of these uh bullet points within the news lawrence you know pointed out that this is actually pretty normal uh when a merger like this happens we're just seeing what happens in a, in a scale hitherto unheard of because there seems to be a different level of voices out there to then be able to share their experience and I don't say all this to be like, I'm okay with what's happening with the WB and Discovery and this merger and the changes. What I am saying is we're outraged, but maybe the outrage is is just because we've never really seen it and it's because it's over properties we love. Like if Discovery was, you know, if Discovery Plus was not the one in charge, and that's the other thing is W it seems like the WB side of it and the HBO side of it is the lesser of the two powers. And so, like, if, if if Discovery was the side that didn't have all the sway, would we be that mad if, like, I don't know, Beachfront Bargain Hunt got taken away? Or... If Beachfront Bargain Hunt had $90 million worth of shows that got canceled out of nowhere, maybe. Or, you know, and I don't even know that that's a Discovery show, but, like, if, um, you know, Planet Earth got cut... Uh, or something like that. Would we would we have the same level of outrage if DC was being preserved as much as the Discovery side of things? Uh, and I do think that this isn't the end of DC Entertainment. I just think they're in a place where they are they are wanting to strip this down to the studs as much as they can and start over. The one exception I'll make and that I'll agree with is I don't think the Flash should be allowed to go forward. But that's that's just me. I think Ezra Miller Miller is just so toxic. I don't understand like why that loss isn't one. So anyway, I'll open the floor and I'll cede it to uh, I'll cede it to Ray because he was nodding more. And then we'll go Tony and then Dave. So to your point about this happens a lot. I will see to you a show that I'm sure you guys heard of and you guys know the comments which it came from. But there was a Marvel. Um, office-style first-in-camera first uh, show called Damage Control. Mm-hmm. That was about the Damage Control group that was in, Vulture, was in the Spider-Man movie and was the big bad, um, really, in the past Miss Marvel show. It was supposed to be a workplace comedy, right? And it got a pilot, and it got greenlit, and then they were like, no, never mind, we don't want it. So it happens all the time. But I think the difference here, number one, is like you said, it's in the midst of a merger. And the issue for me, and maybe you guys have a different issue, is number one, business has to have some logic to me. Like even if it's bad things that happen, I can accept the logic if the logic makes sense. The logic isn't making sense, right? To me, personally, because a lot of the issues that we're seeing are revolving around a lack of funds. Well, how do you get money? By putting out movies. So when you're scrapping movies that'll make money, it doesn't make much sense to me. Like I said last week, I am not by any means a producer, a uh, Hollywood uh, agent or any of this stuff. So I don't know any numbers, nor am I a tax attorney or a accountant or any of the sorts. But it just makes sense to me. I will. (laughs) The right person. Um, But it just makes sense in my mind that 
unless you're getting a 100% tax write-off for Batgirl, specifically just talking Batgirl because that's the big one, right? And you're completely recouping the full $90 million. If that's the case, then good on you. I feel you. I get it, right? No harm, no foul. But unless you're getting a full recoup, put the movie out and recoup your funds. Because I guarantee you, if it's not a full recoup, what they could possibly make off it this year, next year going forward, DVDs, merchandise, toys, whatever it is, will be comparable. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, and and to, to just kind of comment on that, you, you even noted it. We don't know what's been projected. 100%. Really. Like, we don't. And what I, what I can only speculate, and I want to be clear that this is speculation, is that they've taken a look at what they think Batgirl is going to do, yeah. and they made the decision that that's not worth putting it out. Fairly or unfairly. You know, feelings about Batgirl as a film and and the work and the efforts of the producers because I you know like it didn't test any better than um what was it it didn't test any worse than something that something that's big that's that came out or is coming out like I just so there's something that they they feel they know that tells them this isn't a product that we feel we are going to do what we want to do with it. And that's what that's what's hard about this is that we we're not there for that bit of it. Um, we all we know, and, and again, I also think this is also about what Discovery wants, because again, they seem to be the power in in the network here. Uh, and so part of it could just be like, we don't want this, and, and you know, they're making promises that they're going to make DC right. We'll see, uh, but I think that there is, there's got to be something more than what we know as to why they said. This is not going to happen. Uh, and that just sucks because as a public, we would love to know, right? Like we like we are thirsty for information. We are in the information era and we just don't get it. Like, and, and when you don't get it, then it's then it leads to questions and it leads to frustration. And it's and it's challenging. You, you know what it feels like? It feels like and I'm going to forgive me for using the gender roles that I'm going to use, which I'm just using right. them to make this point. It feels like a rich man starts dating a woman who doesn't have as much money as she does. And when they get together, she decides she makes all the decisions, spends all the money. It's like Warner Brothers clearly made a lot more money and makes a lot more money than Discovery does as an IP, as an entity, as a company. It's not even close. But Discovery's making all the decisions. It just doesn't make much sense to me. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm a logical thinker. Again, you're you're a thousand percent right. And Dave is a lawyer. He'll speak to this better than any of us that can. We don't know the projections. We don't know the numbers. We don't know the agreements. We don't know any of that. The layout, the, the organizational structure, we don't, we know nothing. But from right. the outside looking in, the logistical, the, the logics of it makes no sense to me. And that's why I'm so down on it. Cool. Tony, your thoughts before we hand it over to Dave. Ray didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night either. So, I mean, I there's all not. of that, too. Motel you know, 6 left the light open for me, though. So, all this stuff that, <laughs> all this stuff that's, uh, that's, that's left in limbo and in question. Everything we're going, what, why, when, where, how, what, what's going on here? To me, it, it feels like one of two things. They just save all this up for at a point in time where they can use it to do whatever they want with it and entice people to 
check out this new platform. We don't know. They could end up having a, some kind of plan for it like that, right? There could be some outside plan that we don't know, and they're just like, well, we cut it. That's it. Get you not think about it, right? Or doesn't it feel like someone's almost short-selling the company here? Does someone have something to win with them not doing well? Does someone somewhere else get what they want? Because do you know, does that make any sense? Mm, uh, Dave, I'll, I'll, I'll let you comment on that. Dave, go ahead and respond to that question. I think like Tony brings up a, a very good point that, <laughs> and to use wrestling parlance, what if this is kind of a work? Because there's a track record with the Snyder cut. And, and I mean, if you look at what happened with that right now, yeah, I it doesn't understand. even exist, right? Sorry. You know, yeah, it doesn't exist. Batgirl, we deleted all the footage. We don't have it anymore, which is complete and utter bullshit, which we all know. All of us, I think, could agree. Bullshit. You guys have got that stuff somewhere in case you ever need to use it. But they have a. So can we can we just also acknowledge, though, that while the Snyder Cut sort of existed, that he did do reshoots. Absolutely. And get funded to do it. Absolutely. Like, can we not pretend like it existed in a vault and it's entirely oh, sure. like did he because of a pandemic, he was given time sure. to finish that vision. Right. We okay. can. But you. you also have to acknowledge the fact that they lied to us about that. So there's a very good, strong possibility that when they say we don't have this stuff anymore, that that's not accurate as well. The one thing is it has created an enormous amount of attention and buzz around this brand new merger. And it is a business. You know, this is this is a business that they're talking about and whatever decisions they're making, we, we like you guys are saying, we're not privy to all their projections, all their forecasts, all their economic experts who have said, if we do X, Y and Z, then A, B and C is going to happen. So let's do this. Uh, we don't know that. But what we do know is that the WB discovery has been in the, the crosshairs of people like us, social media, uh, economic analysts everywhere ever since this whole thing came out and they said this one decision that they made, we've got this movie that's 95% done that we're going to scrap completely because it didn't test. Well, we don't, you know, we don't think it's going to do this. We don't think it's going to do that. Who knows? But it does create the situation where they are at the focal point of, you know, with Marvel dominating everything, everybody's kind of like looking at WB discovery saying, what are these guys doing? What's the next decision they're going to make? Oh, they're going to bring in their own Kevin Feige. They've got a 10 year plan. So yeah, I don't, we don't know. And I think that's the big thing. We don't know what they're doing. What's real. What's been manufactured to create certain propaganda. So who knows? Yeah. Can we also talk about, can we also talk about and acknowledge that the DC film film, not animation, which has been fine and been great. Actually, I wouldn't even say it's been better than fine. DC film has not been good. It has not been in in the scope of success. It really hasn't been all that successful. I don't understand outside of the potential of what could have been with, uh, you know, with this movie that got scrapped. The uproar, really. Like I don't like. Aquaman was okay, but it was basically a redux of Thor. Like, it was. Like, you go back, it's Thor underwater. The, um, Justice League under Joss Whedon flopped in the scheme of what it should have done. And let's mm -hmm. talk about what it should have done. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. Um, Every metric, it flopped. Every metric. Yeah. Batman versus Superman flopped. should have done better. Yeah. You know, the only two 
films that really, in my in my opinion, under the the whole like latest universe, because the Batman doesn't count. The Batman had nothing yeah. to do with that universe. Is Shazam, which was a fun family movie that I personally love, and Wonder Woman. The Harley Quinn movie and the Suicide Squad. No, Har- Harley, that now. Harley Quinn movie got reviewed terribly and did not make the money it should have made. Okay. Like it did. It wasn't even it was and and the Suicide Squad, while okay under James Gunn, again it underperformed projections. So so if if you're underperforming, like you know, I'm, and I'm this executive coming in from from Discovery Plus, and you've got this franchise that is underperforming what it should do because fans are thirsty. We are thirsty. Like the four of us around this table. Like if Tony got a Flash movie with Graham Houston in the lead, falling in with the whole, like even if it's in keeping with his like portrayal of the character, like he'd go see it. He'd go see it. Like even even if you were uh, like as enthusiastic or as thirsty as like a hardcore DC fan, we desperately want a good Green Lantern movie. Desperately. We desperately want a good Flash movie, which is why I think we're still getting it. Because, or why we're still getting the one that we're getting. Because Ezra Miller, Miller, toxic as he is, when we talk about good things out of the shitty Joss Whedon, Justice League, what do we talk about? We talk about how good mm-hmm. Ezra Miller was in that role. And so I, I get it. I, I get it. It sucks for me as, as the genre that's seeing the cuts happen. Um, and, you know, and I, and I do think some of the shows that we're worried about on HBO max because of their philosophy and their change in, by the way, uh, you're already seeing that shift happen. If you've been on HBO max lately, anybody notice all your BBC earth based documentaries showing up available on HBO max? Like I like, I like clicked on HBO max. It was like new to HBO max. And it was like planet earth living planet. Like it was all those David Attenborough specials are on there. And I was like, Ooh, I liked this. This, So they, they got it. They're, they're stripping it down to the studs. Like that's what they're doing. And hopefully, you know, hopefully, hopefully this is the last time. Hopefully this isn't like to, to make a pro football and actually, hopefully this isn't the Chicago bears just starting over and over and over again. Um, but that's what it is. Go ahead, Tony. I'm, I know you, you're getting ready to jump. Maybe, in. Uh, maybe this is more of you. Give me, give me an idea of of because you say there's everything else, and then you can't include the Batman now, right? <clears throat> and maybe this is their way of saying none of this other stuff is important whatsoever because we want a clean slate. The only thing that was important, and the only thing we were car- carrying people over with and transitioning with, was unfortunately. Ezra Miller as the Flash, right? So that could be where they're like, you know what? Please, Lord, go to rehab and don't fuck it up for fucking two weeks so we can put the goddamn movie out, you know? And fuck the rest of this crap that isn't worth it. And there's our cut line and our carryover. And now there's our clean slate. Because like you said, everything else, the total nerd opinion altogether, while there are outliers, such as Dave and I on different things, is that everything fucking sucked beforehand. So let's let's chop it down now and move the fuck forward because the Batman was fucking great. I, I got to got and you got Black Adam right, out Dave. there too. Got Black Adam out right. there, which well, who knows? And again, that could be the, Dwayne the Flash could be carrying check. into all that stuff. Dwayne Dwayne Johnson writes his own check, like we know that. Go ahead, Ray. Last thought before we move on to one of the other bullets. 
I brought this up last week, and with Tony's point earlier, it I think it bears asking again. What? How much stock do you put in the possibility of them preparing a sale of the DC, um, not the entire property, but just the movie studio? Um, one, I agree with you guys. I, it's fun to joke about Kevin, you know, Disney buying DC's film, DC film studios. Uh, but no, that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, I think if the if this new leadership really thinks that it's not worth it, like anything's possible. Um, I, I I wish I could give you a better answer. It would it. I'm going to be wishy-washy, and I hate being wishy-washy after I gave Dave a hard time about not answering. But this, this is like, I, I don't think they could or will because I do think that there is value in this property if done right. I just don't I just don't think the leadership, I, I just feel like the leadership has always made the, the wrong decision when they've come to it. And, and it, whether it be, we need to make everything dark and gritty about that. And I think, I, honestly... I do think Batman is one of the biggest challenges that faces the, the, the DC cinematic universe because thematically he's so distinct and different from just about any other comic book uh, superhero, but he's so successful that we, we see studio after studio when they try to take on other DC heroes and properties be like, we need to do this because it worked for this. And it's, it's just not logical. I've argued this about Superman all the time. Like part of the reason why I hate Superman Dawn of Justice or not Superman Dawn of Justice, but the Superman um, first Cavill film is because it's so stonewashed and, and um, depressing in, in many senses that it doesn't work for who the character is and who the character has been. And it's not that Superman can't go dark, but it's the way that Superman goes dark. Like Superman isn't living in a, like a, just a dark and gritty existence. That's Batman. Batman's the one who broods. Superman is not the one who broods. And, you know, when you make a broody Superman or when you make a broody cyborg, when everybody is damaged so badly that everything's just pain, like, one, it's just not a fun film-going experience over and over and over again. And, and two, it's just not who those characters are. But as a studio... Like, whoever buys the property, and I hope that this guy, and I don't know that, have they had officially announced that guy is going to be the Kevin Feige? I can't even remember uh, his name. David Lynn or Daniel Lynn? Yeah, but but if it's David Lynn or whoever it is, I really hope it's just a, a guy who has a real sense of how to make these make sense and work in a way, the way, like, and maybe Feige is a one in a million guy with the MCU, and maybe that's the other problem. I don't buy that, but... I think that it's it just hasn't been the right guy to be that guy. There's been well, there's there may not be a a, a connective tissue movie studio like that. Right. How how many movie studios have we had that have had trilogies or four movies that have been interconnected that worked, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, clearly, there's somebody that Fast and the Furious has been all basically Vin Diesel for ten movies. Like you right. can make it work. Somebody can head the ship shouldn't be that sure. hard all right uh let's close the book on this part uh, i do want to talk about a couple other news bites that did come out um in regards to what's happening with warner brothers uh first is there is a rumor 
that uh, the film studio Legendary, uh, which probably most notable was the uh, the company behind the most recent edition of Dune, which I love, Dune Part 1, starring Timothy Chalamet, uh, may be looking to uh, not renew its deal with Warner Brothers uh, and move on to a different uh, studio, a different partnership. And, and the rumors are that it may partner with Sony or Paramount. From what I understand and what I can read, and you know, Dave shared an article, this really feels like a reaction to the decision to release movies simultaneously on HBO Max and not release fully in theaters. And honestly, if I'm legendary, and, and this feels to me like our vision, this, again, this feels like a vision thing. Our vision versus their vision are very different. We're going to go in this direction. Dave, I turn it over to you first. Your reaction to the possibility of Legendary ending its partnership with Warner Brothers and maybe moving on to either Paramount or Sony or another? It's, um, I'd say, fairly significant. Not the most significant news in the world, but it's it's fairly significant that you know you've got a long-standing partnership. They've uh, they've produced quite a few, you know, relatively successful. I mean, Dune was quite successful. The uh, Godzilla versus Kong, they did that one as well. That that whole monster verse thing, that might be moving on elsewhere. But yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. It's a question of their vision versus our vision. We don't want to do it this way. You guys, we told you we didn't want to do it this way. You guys did it anyway. Well, we it was detrimental to us. So yeah, um, that combined with the fact that we're not really sure where you guys are going right now with a lot of these ideas and a lot of these IPs, and we're not very comfortable with some of the decisions that we or the direction we think you're going, um, our deals coming up, we might want to look elsewhere. So not particularly hugely surprising, but when you look at the track record, the history between the companies um, and where that's kind of evolved the last couple of years, then I'm not particularly surprised by the whole thing. But it is it's it's newsworthy because, you know, Legendary is a pretty big picture manufacturer. And for them to like hook up somewhere else, that's that's a pretty big deal. Right. And you look at some of the franchises that they put out, like they're the guy, they're the studio behind the Godzilla reboots that have happened. Godzilla versus Kong, Kong's Skull Island. Uh, they, they're the reason we have a Watchmen movie back in 2014. Like, that's that's a, a longstanding partner. And now you got the rumor about a Godzilla versus Kong sequel. So, you know, that's, right. that's out there as well. So yeah, there's some pretty significant franchises that are part of that. PC Tony, your thoughts um, as we look at this possible departure uh, from Warner Brothers. Between what you brought up as them, you know, having a different uh, vision of what their future is as opposed to where they are now, and Dave pointing out exactly the type of and movies they have made, they feel more like a go to the movie, movie making kind of um, brand. So it makes total sense. I don't even know that it, there could be anything more to it than that in and of itself. Paramount seems like a much better place to me than sony only because paramount can give you both so when your run's yeah. done you go right on over to uh, one of the up and one of the fastly approaching up-and-comers in the, in the streaming uh upper echelon paramount plus ray cash jump in sir we're talking about a company that's hard up on money and a production studio that makes a lot of money it's a big deal then possibly leaving um and yeah, I, may, I get it. I get the reason. It makes sense. 
But the one thing I'll never understand is having a grudge, for lack of a better term, about the way that they did things at a time when nobody was willing to or even was going to the theater. So they would have released Dune in the theaters when they wanted to release Dune. They wouldn't have made anything close to the money they would have they made through HBO Max, in my opinion. So like you, you kind of gotta take your take your goods with your bads in that situation. Yeah, yeah but, but the going counter, forward, the counterpoint, the counterpoint to that though is exactly the thing that you bring up all the time, Ray. Is if there's money to be made, why not go ahead and make the money? You can always continue to get the deal on streaming. Yeah, and but, remember, but that was an unprecedented time, and I know that's such a. Tr- uh, such a trope statement nowadays, but that really wasn't unpre- when that was happening. We didn't know if we'd ever go back to the theaters when that stuff came out. But, no, we but really remember, didn't. Hindsight remember, is twenty twenty. So, but hold on. But remember when the rubber hit the road when it came to Dune in particular, it didn't get released simultaneously on HBO Max. Sure. And how much money did it make? And I'm not. I'm not being funny. I, I really don't know. I, it made. It made good money. I can't remember what it made off the top of my head. Uh, and the funny, like I paid money to go see it in the theater, and I'm glad I did because it's a, a Brazilian dollars. It's designed to be seen on an IMAX screen. Like when I went and saw Dune, I was like, okay, I get it. And and I made fun of uh, Villanueva when he was bitching about it not airing. Like yeah, we on this podcast, like on this podcast, and then I went and saw the movie and was like, okay, I get it. It's like I watched it when it came out on HBO Max, and you can watch it now while it's on HBO Max, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't the same. This is it it's just not the same. I, not everybody has DDP television, and when you don't have when you don't have DDP television, it makes it really hard. I don't have 70 inches of t- TV to, to watch June. Yes, she did. She won't let me get 70 inches of TV. That's the problem. It made it made 41 million open the weekend. Which is good for that film. That's a niche film. How about, That's a how about, niche sci-fi film. How about 55 inches in an hour of the air conditioner? But I'm cheap. Good one. All right. Here's the other bit. The title news. for the episode. It is. We're not going to use it, though. Um, what we are going to talk about, though, is... And I think this just kind of wraps into what we talked about when we opened the WB conversation. But uh, it was announced this week... Uh, after two years of what I would argue was one very successful year, one, a list, I would say I was somewhat less impressed year two with, with the content that was put out. But DC Fandom for 2022 is not happening. Uh, that came out this week. Again, I think with the, what I would argue is a shift in what they're planning this isn't. This shouldn't be a surprise that DC Fandom isn't happening. It's disappointing though. So who went first last time? I can't even remember. I think Tony did. So Dave, I'm going to turn it to you. Your reaction to the end of DC Fandom for this year? This year, they say it's like a hiatus, but I don't believe that. I think it's dead. Like I think it's done like dinner. I don't know if I agree with dead completely. I agree completely with you that it's um, not surprising, but disappointing all the same. I mean, it would make no sense to do a fandom this year with absolutely no direction as to where they're going beyond really what Shazam fury of the fury of the gods. And, and you know, whatever the other movie that got delayed Aquaman two 
after that in the flash after that really it's a blank slate i don't think they've got anything planned so really how do you wrap a whole convention around um something like that where you don't have you, you've got no real focus you've got no real plan we don't know which shows are coming back we don't know which ones are going to end up on the chopping block other than you know harley which we know got renewed for season four but beyond that yeah really what are you going to do i mean the comics aren't strong enough to sell a convention on their own the animation is awesome but you can't wrap a whole convention around that so i i think maybe if if lynn dan lynn comes in and, and has here's our plan Maybe you do see Fandom come back with a vengeance in a couple years where they say, where they lay it all out. Here's what we got. You know, we've got the plan. Here's how it's going to go. I could see that, but I think it's going to be a couple years before you see Fandom come back, if ever. Uh, Ray, your thoughts? Completely agreed. I think we tend to compare it to what Marvel does, but we forget that Marvel has only had one Hall H in three, four years. It's normally Disney Investor Day or D23. So if this was Warner Brothers fandom and they canceled that, then I think there's reason to be concerned. DC doesn't have enough going on right now to warrant any type of convention of its own. Um, so it makes sense. I don't think it's dead. Um, it shouldn't be dead because it, it, every single time they've done it has been a rousing success, all things considered. Um, but it just doesn't make any sense. you know. And again, we're talking about a company hard up on money why would they spend money on something that's not necessary tony your thoughts on the end of dc fandom anything that i don't i agree with dave i don't think it's done forever or maybe not you maybe not get it exactly like that ever again or something it evolves into something else but for everything we already talked about all the uncertainty and everything else why would you even bother with it so it's right. kind of an amalgamation of everything everybody we've been talking about almost this entire show well, one last sure. one last thing I, pat Remember, Fandom was virtual for the first two years, and now everything's going back to in-person. So they they have not had a chance to really evolve and say, well, here's where we want to do it. Here's what we want to put in place. Listen, so, I, when I you put The Rock really... out there and he gets booed, you want to go back out in a fucking live territory? Yes, because that's what they say they're going to do. Because The last point I want to make is that I, I, I actually am of the mind that it's dead. I don't think it's come back. Because they say with the return of in-person events, Warner Brothers Discovery is excited to be able to engage with our fans live at numerous Comic-Cons around the world and will not be scheduling DC Fandom for 2022. And what people are going to do is they're going to run with that preposition for 2022. And yeah, no, I don't. I think it's dead. I think it's dead unless another pandemic comes. Uh, I'm actually sad because I think that the virtual con concept is dying. I'm, I'm very, I'm hopeful for what we're going to talk about like for D23 because they do have a streaming element. But if you really dig down and look at what they're streaming at D23, you ain't getting any of the good stuff at all. You ain't getting any of the big shit. Big shit's safe for those who show up live. So I, I think that I think that's where we are. All right, last thing before we leave Warner Brothers and uh, get into a couple of last topics. Uh, Dave mentioned it. Not everything is getting canceled, and that's good, as it was announced that Harley Quinn Season 4 is coming. I have been thoroughly enjoying Harley Quinn Season 3, and in fact, I told PC Tunney he at least needs to check out the opening segment of this week's episode 
because it does give a nod to a certain um, scrambled egg loving uh, television show, Frasier. But um, yeah, so I don't like. I don't know who out of this group has watched the show. I'm assuming Ray has. I hope Dave has. Tony looks like he's got his hand up and has raised his hand, checked it out. Um, I don't think this is really all that surprising. I know people are really concerned about it getting cut. It's a really good show. And actually, I love this season because it's really turned the concept of who's a hero and who's a villain on its ear as we get to uh, as we as we get to this eighth episode that they just did. So, Tony, your reactions. Um, what have you thought of the show? Because I know you checked you started checking it out at our insistence. I think I've seen the first seven or eight episodes. That's about all I got into. But it's good. Um, that's one thing why I'm not surprised that it's going to be around for another season. The other reason is, look who's attached as the main character. It's one of the most popular uh, actresses in sitcom history. You can you could argue, um, and and she's absolute gold, like everything she's touched. So including this, so why not continue to, to put that out there and have your name attached to people like that? Uh, Ray, I go to you next. For the record, I've only seen the first episode this season, so I got to catch up. Oh. I know. Oh, season yeah. three. Yeah, no, I've seen all of them. I just haven't oh. seen a lot of this season yet. Um, a broken clock is right twice a day. They get one right every now and then. And they got this one right because this is a show. And again, you're talking to a dude who thinks that Young Justice is the best animated show ever made, and they're canceling that. So, you know, it is what it is. What can you do? You, you, every now and then there's a win. Dude, and Ray, I love you. People aren't watching that show, man. I'm sorry. Like, Actually, and I know you, I know no, you beat the drum. No, their factual evidence shows it's the most watched animated show on HBO Max. I will show you the facts. Okay. Even more than Harley Quinn. It is the most watched animated show on HBO Max. Not HBO, not um not most animated, not uh most watched animated superhero show, most watched animated show period on HBO Max. I'll show you the facts. Okay. Well then they disagree with you and maybe a lot of people. I don't know what to tell you. I, I I'll tell you this. I have not watched a second of that show. So anyway, back to Harley Quinn. You can show me the facts after the show. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 I was done. Yeah, I have I, I was like, Ray seems to be done. Yeah, I'm me. not caught up on Harley Quinn at, uh, either, but I, I think Tunney's got a, a good point that a lot of the when you're looking at these shows as far as what's going to make money, name recognition of the people involved is going to be a big factor. Uh, Harley Quinn's got that. Peacemaker has got that. Doom Patrol, kind of sorta, has that. Titans is the one I'd be kind of worried about at this point in time. Because if you're looking at everything and saying, ah, you know, which one is going to be have that name recognition that's going to make some money, Titans is kind of uh, iffy. But, yeah, it's not surprising when you look at uh, what Harley Quinn's got going on. Uh, critical and fan reaction to it is universally good. And, you know, you've got a very recognizable voice right there every single week. Makes sense. They're going to bring it back for a fourth season. They're going to make money off that. So, easy call. Cool. Um, according to uh, the articles I'm seeing, it's uh, South Park. That's the most watched animated show on HBO Max. Uh, but anyway. I, but, Ray, but Ray, you can wait to show them that after the show. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do it now. I'm just looking for myself. I know. Okay. I'm digging on Patrick. You're digging on me? 
I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I, I know, like I to, I, I like to be, I like to be difficult. Yeah, I, I think it's, I, I think it's, yeah, it makes a lot of sense for the actors who are involved, the, the producer. Uh, I think this, I think the season three has been the best season of Harley Quinn so far, uh, as they explore Harley and, and all of that. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me. I don't, I just don't. I think that they're going to look at what projects out and what they think that they can continue to market and make happen. And that's, what's going to stay and that's, what's going to go. And some of our passion projects are going to go away. Uh, and some of them are going to stay Titans might be one that, that goes, like you said, Dave, but Harley Quinn, it doesn't surprise me at all. The surprise. I think peacemaker is going to survive. Uh, as we talk about other shows moving forward, the last sort of news were the, uh, our news item that I wanted to talk about before we go into just a real, uh, just kind of a roundtable conversation I wanted to have to, to wrap up. It was a, a news item that came today that Amazon Prime is disabling reviews for the first two episodes of Lord of the Rings, their, their Lord of the Rings series, because of it being the most, well, they're saying it's in celebration of of it being the most watched original series in the history of Amazon Prime. Sure, we all believe that. I'm not saying I believe it or I don't believe it. I the show got has been review bombed like everything else. I applaud. But I mean, this goes back to what we said a few weeks ago. I applaud Amazon's decision here wholeheartedly. Right. So, Dave, I'll start with you. So Amazon drops this. Do you think it's because of review bombing? Is that is that safe to assume? Absolutely. I mean, we, we talked about it. I don't know if you were on the show, but we've talked about it for a couple of weeks. It was getting review bombed for trailers being released. I mean, before anybody had ever even seen the first episode, it was getting eviscerated by, you know, hardcore Tolkien fans who were coming out saying, this is not Silmarillion and, and this isn't what they did and this, that, the other. And it's like, you know, at least give it a chance. Uh, you know, so I don't blame right. Amazon for coming out and saying, fuck this. We're not going to have this complete negative press around the most watched. Yeah. Statistically, the most watched premiere on the network. Why do we want to drag that down with these, the voices, the voice of the voiceless out there making all this right. bullshit about this? We're just going to disable it. They should have done the same damn thing for Miss Marvel and She-Hulk and Moon Knight. I mean, it's 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 well and and to be clear amazon uh they're only suspending reviews for 72 hours so they're not doing like a full-on review ban but i do think that they're doing it and they're saying in celebration of because when you start to tout hey look at everybody watching this show i think their fear is that's going to fan a review bomb flame tony go ahead so Everything Dave said, yes, and everything Patrick said, yes, but what Patrick said is because there are people who make a living doing PR, and like there's also people who make a living on telling people what to do, and there's people who make a living on doing this and doing that, and whether you think it's necessary or unnecessary, if they don't do their job, there won't be a job, because someone will go, oh, we really didn't need that at all, did we? Yeah, but these assholes on social media who have all these followers who they're dra- are trying to direct no, them—that's not their I, job. I, I agree with I agree with what you're saying, Dave. But my point is that someone out there had to do their job because that's their job to be the PR person. And if they wouldn't have put some kind of fun little spin on it, they wouldn't have been doing their job. I agree with you, Ray. I, I your agree turn. with you, Ray. Your turn. I agree with you. No, I agree with you. No, I agree with you. 
Oh, I it's a big love fest. I don't agree. Right now. I don't agree with you, Ray. Whatever you're going to say, I pre disagree with you. Uh, right, anyway, it's Ray's go. turn to speak, everybody. And I don't say that um, often. Thank you. Thank you. Can we can we clip that? Um, so it's customary for a new show or a new season when you send it to critics, they have a three day moratorium before they can speak about it. They can preview. They can review it. Preview it, but they can't review it from for spoilers. That is the general industry standard. So it makes sense to do that for fans. Also, well, okay. That's me. Also, people like me, there's a lot of people like me that almost feel like you have to catch it when it first comes out. Because it's the thing, right? It's to, to be to be in the know, involved, to get all the jokes on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or wherever your whatever your fancy is. So if you make people wait three days, oftentimes that desire or fervor to be extremely high or extremely low has dissipated. I think it is genius. And I think every single outlet should take this idea. I stretch it to seven days. Does anybody think it's weird that they're doing it now when the show dropped two days ago from when we record this? Like, it dropped on the 2nd. Here we are on the 4th, and that's when we're doing the suspension. Like, why not do it when it hits? Do you, or, or do you think it's that because the because of the time for folks to watch and kind of get the first word out, now we're holding off to... Like, now we're doing it to stop the, the backlash to that first word? Is it... Like, I'm just trying... Like, what do you think the thinking is, right? Oh. I I think much like Ms. Marvel, much like um Will a uh, Will of Time or whatever the hell that show was, much like all these shows, it got a Will review of Time bombed. was bad. Sure. But I think it got review bombed to a situation that wasn't uh, a a good recollection of what actually was on the show. And so they realized we're not gonna let this show that we spent all this fucking money on be ruined by just a small subset of people. So let's revisit how we're doing this, because as Tony mentioned, this is essentially the PR of the show, our reviews. So it feels like to me, uh, again, I could absolutely be wrong, but it just feels like they saw, it feels like hurricane coming. Oh, I see a flood coming. Let me board my windows before it gets here. Dave? No, I think I think I was like, any, yeah, anybody else can respond. No, I think he's lot. right. I think another factor it's the holiday weekend, so they know that more and more people are going to be watching this, and you could the flood could be even greater right. over a holiday weekend. But yeah, I, I think sure. you know, they've they've seen it. You know, like Wheel of Time is a great example of just um, the fact that a lot of fans turned on that um, because it wasn't the story that they were that they were expecting to be told and that they well, didn't uh, like. But it wasn't good. Like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna. And I'm going to say this. Okay, I didn't like Wheel of Time. And I never read the books. I had no preconceived notion about what this show was going to be. But I will say that if we would have done a nerd review, you would have, like, I would have buried that show. Uh, For its budget, it looked poorly put together. The storyline, the story that they told wasn't very... It just wasn't compelling. It wasn't very good. It, it, it may. I, I do want to say, like, I don't feel like Wheel of Time got review bombed the way Miss Marvel got review bombed. She Hulk got review bombed. 
this Lord of the Rings tri- series was getting review bombed because I mean they're they're bitching about a dwarf being black, like they're saying that's not that that's review bombing. And I do want to make sure that we caution people between reviewing something that's not well done and 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 saying that this show isn't good because X, Y, and Z reason that have to do with the making of the show and the story that they're telling versus how can a woman be a hero in Middle Earth? How can and, and actually to go back to She-Hulk, this week's she episode of She-Hulk, by the way, had a very great little commentary on review bombing. Yeah, in the got, midst of it, they got it. From, women can't. Women yeah. have to be superheroes now. Like that's this. That's review bombing. Yeah. And the the review bombs for for Middle Earth have been about you, know, you can't possibly have a story where Galadriel as a woman is the hero. You can't have black dwarves. Like what the fuck are we doing here? Dragons are flying in the sky, but we can't have a black dwarf. Like what are you talking yeah, about? I, I will. WWE and, even got the dragons from House of the Dragon at yeah. Clash of the Castle. <laughs> right. Let me even take this a little bit further. Tolkien was racist. He was horribly racist. Dwarves in their original content are allegories for Jewish people. They are covetous. They have big nose. Like he talks about their big noses. He he makes them horrible, greedy untrustworthy people he had deep seated dislike for jewish people as a strong christian so don't come after this show because the dwarf is black and act like well i ain't racist or i ain't got problems is that the source material also wasn't part of the i did not mean to soapbox this but but you you did and you're right but i did And, and that's and that's the thing and i love Tolkien. like i love those growing up and i love what peter jackson did hey, look um I, with the original lord of the rings trilogy we, we won't talk about the hobbit no all uh, I, that was a mistake all i want to say is i know you haven't seen i've Sorry, seen dude. i've seen the first episode um you will not be confusing the effects from this show with wheel of time that's for damn sure this is one of the most cinematic i know like okay. you talked about how dune was a cinematic experience tonight, dude the cinematography at least in episode one i mean it feels like this should be a big budget movie. I mean, with, it's it's yeah. With pretty the amount impressive. of money, with the amount of money that that was it put was put into this series, like I would hope so. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah. Well, it's a streaming series though for Amazon Prime to have something to go up against House of the Dragon. They needed something, sure. and you think if you think there was more money spent, the, I bet you there's about the same amount of money. You know, HBO kind of figured this all out. They they couldn't finish Rome, but they learned from that mistake and gave us game of thrones house of the dragon i might have to fucking watch this god damn it (laughs) i I mean it's up to you i i want you to watch sandman first i i want you to give that a try yeah did you Uh, watch it no i'm not gonna watch it oh dude so good i mean rings of power cost one billion dollars to make like that's how much amazon put into this it's like nine million dollars an episode it was obscene so yeah, they 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 have invested the cash. All right. Um, last thing I want to talk about: uh, D twenty three is coming up. Dave pointed put it in as a bonus topic. I don't think it needs to be a bonus topic at all. I think it's it's the next big event for us on this show, and that um, D twenty three expo starts soon. It's um, I'm trying to when is it? 
9th, 10th, This weekend? Yeah, I think it's this weekend. The yeah. 10th and the 11th. Yeah, so it's this coming weekend. So about a week from, you know, a week from now, uh, less than a week from now, we're going to be getting some Star Wars news. We're going to be getting a lot of Marvel news. It sounds like more Marvel news than Star Wars news because Star Wars has its own event. Um, plus just a lot of Disney news. And I think that's one of the things that I find really interesting is there's going to be just other Disney production news. So real quickly around the table or around the bandwagon, if you will, and we'll start with uh, Dave this time. What are you hoping to hear about out of D23? And what's one trailer that we didn't get that you hope we get? I think if I was breaking it down, I think the main thing I want to see is some sort of announcement about X-Men, some form or fashion, something about, mutants something about x-men where they're going um i do think we're going to get news about fantastic forecasting i think they're gonna they're gonna drop they're gonna break that open um do that i would like to see like i think like the wakanda forever trailer we got was more of a teaser i would like to see a full-on official trailer that you know would be more involved that i think there's a reasonably good chance that we get that I don't think we're going to get a lot of Star Wars. I, I really don't. Like you said, Pat, they've got their own day, that sort of thing. You know, maybe you get some. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mandalorian season three get a trailer at this thing. That would seem to be a good place to kind of just drop a little nugget like that. But you got Andor coming out in a few weeks. So I think those are the ones that I'm really looking forward to the most. Uh, X-Men, Fantastic Four. I th- do think you're probably going to get a Deadpool three something because they teased the shit out of that before comic-con and they kind of backed away from it those are the ones that i'm kind of looking forward to the most what i think we're gonna get pc tony anything you want out of dc out of d23 yeah when's the next season of the world according to jeff gold no i'm just kidding um (laughs) how about how about something that we don't even know about that we didn't even know we wanted from pixar maybe good call they they are working on a couple new projects, so who knows where they you know where those projects are at this point. Ray Cash, your turn. Um, the I want to see Fantastic Four. I need to see the cast. Um, that's the the, the most that's the biggest thing going on to me right now that I don't know is what's the cast for Fantastic Four, and um, the Doctor Strange movie. Um, was it Derrickson who did that? Scott Derrickson they did the second. Yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Um, because he's taking over, he's doing the the culmination, the next Avengers films, right? I think so. It's it's no, one he of, didn't do he didn't do he didn't do Doctor Strange because Sam Raimi did Doctor Strange. Sorry, Sam Raimi did Doctor Strange too, but Derrickson did the first Doctor Strange. One of it's these, uh, past, he's doing Shang Chi, right? Oh, he may be doing. I give maybe. you. You want the no, Fantastic no, Forecast? No, 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 not from you. <laughs> not at all from you. <laughs> no. It's going to be really hot. Here's the forecast. Gina Carano, Ezra Miller, and Joe Rogan. <laughs> At least you didn't um, put Charlie Sheen in there. Only reason, only reason I, I I can't remember which movie it is. I'll get the actual quote. But there was one movie where um, they were going to have the Fantastic Four in the post credit scene buying the Baxter building. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I, I need to know who the cast is going to be. That's That's the most important thing to me right now. Right, and and until the until the until all these casts get announced, like the speculation train will just continue to run in overdrive and, and will not go away. Okay, so here's for me um, out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I just want to see some more holes filled in that timeline. 
Um, I want to see when we're going to, you know, I would love to see if there's anything from some projects that we haven't really talked about, like Blade. Um, I would love to see uh, a Loki season two trailer. Uh, I doubt we're going to get it. I don't even think they've started filming yet. But they have, they have. Oddly enough, out of all the things that you've talked about, the trailer that I, I dream and pray and hope gets dropped isn't a Marvel or Star Wars property. It's Indiana Jones 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know what they're doing because Crystal Skull was so disappointing and was the last time I ever considered walking out of a movie theater because of how angry I was at a man surviving in a nuclear blast while hiding in a refrigerator. Um, I know it was lead-lined. He was fine. Okay. But my I, I shared this today. That John Williams has, uh, has played. Yeah, I'm just ignoring that. Um, John Williams uh, performed uh, for a con- uh, for an audience at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, the first snippet of music from, or he directed the orchestra, obviously, because he doesn't play all the instruments. But he d- he directed the first. He shared the first snippet of music from Indiana Jones Five. So that means that shit's really get it's close and done. It's got a 2023 release date. I would love. To get our first look at Indiana Jones 5. Uh, soft spot in my heart, one of my favorite shows, and would love to see something come out of that from D23. So that is my my hope for the, for D23 this year. All right, guys. Good discussion this week. Thank you for uh, you know coming back to the show when I returned. I was a, I was a little worried I was going to come back to an empty bandwagon. Like you guys were just enjoy it so much. You like moved on. Uh, you know, figuring decided that Dave was the straw that stirs the drink, and 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 I was going to have to deal with that. Um, before we get out of here, though, um, let's get back to what we do. Let's go once around the room. Tell people where they can hear you on the Chairshot Radio Network and where they can find you out in the socials. And this week, we will start with the live studio audience's favorite member of the bandwagon, Ray Cash. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, sorry, audience. Welcome back, Ray. Well, you know what? I'll take that because I have clips that you said you got to let me talk. So, hey. And by the way, we love both of our parents. Me and Tony love both of our parents. So, like, we're not going to go. We're going to see both of y'all. We're going to alternate holidays. Yeah, just. But anyway. We always go to Dave first for permission, though. That's how you have a hero wrestling card show coming up. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the easy parent. You always check. You always check with mom first. I'm at Israel Cash, R A Y S Mysterio C A S H S and dollars. Follow me at your peril. All let right. The, let the parents go last. We got it down. Uh, PC Tony. You can follow me at PC Tony. Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, check out DWI podcast. Continue to listen to everything. Chair Shot Radio Network, and don't forget to use your head. David Ongar. You can find me at my new burner Twitter account at the Straw. That's at the Straw. So you can find me there. So. That's right, Ray. But you can follow me on my real Twitter account. That's at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. And on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chairshot Radio Network. Mondays with this group of nut jobs known as the Bandwagon on Bandwagon Nerds. I love you guys. Your lovable nut jobs. On Tuesdays, sometimes you hear me and David Ungard do Chair Shot Radio. Dave, did Chair Shot Radio happen in any way, shape, or form this week? 
Hell no, man. I figured you were just going to drop that uh, five by five or something. You want it? You want me to drop our five by five? Ooh, yeah, we can do the Star good. Wars five by five. That, you know, did we perf- drop that one? Perf- no, we haven't done it. And, and since it's D twenty three week this week, that's perfect. Sure. So this week on Chair Shot Radio, we're going to do a five by five. It's Dave and I's five best and five worst Star Wars moments uh, in history. Uh, and then you can listen to me on Wednesdays with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales when we talk to wrestling. Um, Tony's got a finger up. What's up? We still got I to forgot. some SNL ones. Yeah, I'm in there like swimwear for that. But I forgot. Make sure you tune in likely Thursday afternoon where PC and Platt will return to preview this year's NFL football season. That is exciting. Here, let me give you a quick tip. The Bears will be terrible. All right. So will the commander. Commanders will suck. There you go. Also, be sure to follow so will the Bandwagon Pack- Nerd. Oh, yeah. Maybe Ray will join us, be, too. I don't, I didn't be ask sure him. to follow the Bandwagon Nerds po- podcast at Bandwagon Nerds. PC Tony, i got to call you out. You shared a great Bandwagon Nerds uh, poll on your uh, Twitter feed, and, and it would have been a great Bandwagon Nerds poll, dude. Don't worry on it. Good. Oh, yeah, I and I got a whopping six votes. The world yeah, you know, you would have gotten 24 if you'd gone on the bandwagon nerds, our 24 listeners would have would have yeah. voted for us. So anyway, that's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds. Thank you everyone for listening. Now get yourself out of the basement, get up, get some sun and, you know, take it easy uh, on Warner brothers. Could be okay. Don't listen to Dave. Don't listen to Ray. You've been listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chair shot radio network, part of the chair for you seriously you know why i wanted this last jump to work so badly because you're old and tired because i slaughtered a warden full of people to buy our way back here is that blood it's nothing why are you here i've decided you're the only one i can trust unacceptable vanya remember we need to stick together you don't have to. I know. You owe me one, sis. No more going rogue. If you ever need anything, I'm always here for you. Look, a mom and her eight-year-old son are not going to screw up the timeline, Five. You told me once that no one is insignificant. They have to stay. We can't save everyone. I don't accept that. Then you'll drown. I thought you were smarter than that. The sooner you face that, the safer we'll all be. 
What is that supposed to mean? It means you're very dangerous, Victor Hargreaves. The decisions you make impact the entire world. I am not a villain, Vi. And Victor, I hope to God you never will be. Don't lie to us again. Victor, I'll kill you myself. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.